morning, church. Let's.
all the praise today. Amen. There was a moment when the lights went out And when death claimed its victory The King of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on the cross they made for sinners For every curse is blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake
pour your spirit out, Lord Jesus, on your church, on this nation, on our world. Pour your spirit out upon us, God. We are your people. We worship you today. We love you, Jesus. Bring the fresh wind, Lord. We're ready for the fresh wind. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Could Jesus praise today? guys sound amazing singing in the house of the Lord today. Hey, turn to the person beside you. Tell them how great they sound is singing today. social media coordinator here at Anastasia and I just want to welcome you all. Thank you for joining us for worship today. If you are new here, I would like to encourage you to go visit the welcome desk out in the atrium or if you prefer, you can text the word connect to 904-441-6900. That will pull up our digital connect card. If you're a member here at Anastasia, or even if you're a guest, you can fill that out and let us know how we can be praying for you this week. I'd also like to know, or I would like for you to know that you can text the word news to that same number, 904-441-6900 to pull up our digital bulletin. That'll show you everything that we have going on in the life of our church at Anastasia. Um, one more announcement before I hand it over. We have beach baptisms happening today at 9th Street at 1 p.m. So we would love for you to join us in welcoming new members of our church and new members in the body of Christ. And now I'm going to hand it over to Heather Carlton for our generosity moment. Heather. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, church. As you can see, we have some very special guests with us this morning. We have the long prayed for David and Barbara Crossman from Moldova. We are so, so grateful that you are here safe with us today to share with us. I just want to ask a few questions. We don't have enough time right now. We all know that. But I just want to hear just briefly what the Lord has done in your ministry over the past few months. If you don't have much time, I should talk. <laughs> um. I think the main thing we want to tell all of you is that God is moving. You know, in the midst of the horror, and make no mistake, it's terrible in Ukraine. Um, it's tragic. But the church is rising up. And I, we kept thinking of the verse where Joseph said, man intended it for evil but God intended it for good. And we see the church in Moldova rising up. We see the church in Ukraine rising up. And we see the gospel going across Eastern Europe and all the way into Europe like I don't know if it ever has before. So don't stop praying. Thank you. And, and, let me just add to that real quickly. It really has been uh, remarkable to to be in the midst of God, a movement of God and uh, to feel useful in that. And in many ways, Barbara and I consider ourselves a, a little engine 
the little red engine, and the little red engine can't run without fuel. And our fuel has come from from ABC and from your prayers and from your financial support, for which we're so very grateful. And I've got to tell you that in the midst of, of the crisis, when things were at their worst, both Barbara and I felt completely at peace, completely at peace, never a moment of anxiety because we were just bathed in the prayer of, of you people. And we felt that, and it was, uh, it's what sustained us, and we thank you for that. Thank you. Now, in the coming months, what are some ways that we can pray for you and your ministry? Well, in Moldova, the refugee crisis right now is fairly quiet. The refugees that are there have places to stay. Um, one of our partners, a UK partner, it continues to bring aid in. And David in the blue van that Anastasia folks help purchase is out every day delivering food. Um, the big switch is that we're working more and more in Ukraine. We're connecting with Ukrainian churches, helping bring in food. We've sent in sleeping bag, tents, medicine, and we're continuing to do that. And so when we we're kind of getting refreshed, we've got medical appointments, all those things you have to do. But when we go back, our attention is going to be more in Ukraine. And so just pray that God bring about those appointments that he wants, those connections that he wants, um, and that we would be light and encouragement to the people there that are enduring so much. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would, please join me now as we pray God's blessings on the Crossmans. God, thank you so much for the work that you are doing in the lives of the Crossmans. Thank you for sending them way before we ever knew that they would be needed so desperately in Moldova and the Ukraine. We pray for the times ahead, God. We pray for peace and rest for them, whether they're in the United States. And we pray just for a preparation of hearts, of openness, of willingness to see you and to understand that your hand is the one that's been providing. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for being able to use us, Anastasia, and our gifts and, and letting us be a part all the way from over here. God, we are honored and privileged. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And real quick, on, and David, we're having a time, it's July 17th. 17th here. And so many of you gave so selflessly and have emailed, and we don't know you personally. And so we're having a time that David's going to have a concert. We're going to share things about what we're doing that we're not going to share, you know, on media. And so please stay um, tuned about those. Um, put it in your calendar. Put it in your calendar. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again.
and amazing, so thank you for your support. Hey, um, I'm glad to be back with you. This is the first time in a month. I was out two weeks, and then uh, I, uh, last week I was in the other uh, venue, and so now I'm here with you. And it's good to be back here this week. You guys were amazing. Um, you know, uh, I, I went to Ecuador with Don Cambridge. We're looking at a new mission trip opportunity, so that's where we're in the first part of the uh, but we're in this series right now. Uh, we're calling it You Asked For. Okay? You Asked For. You really did. Uh, we asked for surveys of what are some things that you would like to have us talk about. And, and so during the month of June, we've been going through this series. Some of you asked about uh, anxiety and, and depression and, and mental health issues. So we had someone come and preach about that. Uh, we, you asked about the Holy Spirit. And, and Jeremy Carlton uh, was preaching on that last week. Uh, you asked about the church and rapture, and, and when is the rapture? When is the second coming of Jesus Christ? And, and so Pastor Sam talked about that. A lot of you also asked about a lot of cultural issues. I mean, I mean, you said, can you tell me, what does the Bible say about abortion? I mean, the Supreme Court was starting to leak out what was, what was going to happen and what actually happened on Friday. Uh, some of you asked, what, how do we deal with... Yeah, how do we deal with same-sex issues and the LGBTQ issues? And how do we deal with, uh, what does the Bible say about living together before marriage? And, and uh, what does the Bible say about transgenderism and all that kind of stuff? So, you know what? Uh, I decided to pull all those into one sermon, okay? I just want you to know, you asked for it. <laughs> you asked for it, right? So uh, we're going to put that into one sermon and. And, and I wanted to talk, uh, it's amazing, I planned this sermon weeks ago, and I knew I was going to come and talk to you about abortion, and I'm, I want you to know, if you're watching online, or you're just coming in here for the first time, this is not a knee-jerk reaction to what happened Friday, this is something I have prayed about, I have studied the scriptures, I have felt convicted about, and the message has not changed one iota because of what happened on Friday. Okay, uh, this, is, this is coming from the Word of God. I had this message planned for weeks. And the fact that this message is coming two days after the Supreme Court uh, brought down their ruling, which uh, uh, eliminated Roe versus Wade, it is, not, it, is, it is just the work of God. It is just the timing of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you are here. And uh, I want to address these controversial and these emotional topics. Okay. And all these issues, they have, they have something in common. That's why I'm linking them all together. They all have one thing in common. Here's what's in common with these issues. The word of God tells us one thing and culture is telling us the exact opposite. In all of these issues, the word of God is telling us one thing and, and culture is telling us something else. For instance, abortion. We know from the word of God in Jeremiah chapter 1 that before we're even in the womb, God knows us. We know from Psalm 139 that while we are in the womb, God is knitting us together. God is active and, and, and in that gestation period, we are partnering with God in the creation process. And we know from Exodus chapter 21, it says when, when a person is killed, if they're killed while they're in the womb, that the same penalty is given for someone who is, uh, when someone is killed already born. That the Bible sees this very clearly, uh, abortion as a matter of taking human life. That's what the Bible says, okay? Now, 
61% of U.S. adults, 61%, that's a majority, that's three-fifths, okay? 61% of adults say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Not just for rape, not just for incest, but in all or most cases, most Americans believe that abortion should be legal. Now, I get it. And I'm not stupid, okay? And I'm listening. And I hear those messages. And they are compelling messages of women's reproductive rights. I hear those messages. And I'm listening. And I hear about women who are truly unfairly affected when there's a pregnancy that happens. And there's not a father that's, that's willing to bear the responsibility. They get saddled with the emotional toll. They get saddled with the financial toll. They get saddled with a huge physical toll going through that pregnancy. And my heart goes out. My, my heart, though, is this. Can we find a solution that doesn't include taking of an innocent human life made in the image of God? That's what I see. How do Christians respond? Let's talk about LGBTQ issues. Um, LGBTQ issues, same-sex marriage and that sort of thing. Romans chapter 1. I could, I could give you the scriptures here, okay? Romans chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, the scripture repeatedly, clearly, and specifically says that same-sex sexual activity is sin. It doesn't say that, that having an attraction to someone of the same sex is sin. We, we know that that's a temptation. It doesn't say that that's a, that that's a sin, but, but it says that the activity is not according to the Bible. Now, 70%, 70% of people in the United States support legal same-sex marriage, and that amount is continuing to trend upward, okay? That, that number is going higher and higher and higher, saying that same-sex marriage uh, should be allowed. And, and realize that same-sex marriage has been legal in the United States and in all the United States since 2014. What that means is that if you're under the age of 12, you likely don't even remember a time when same-sex marriage was not legal in our whole country. This is, this is what you've grown up with, okay? You don't remember when it wasn't the law of the land. And many of you know same-sex couples, and if you're like me, they are people in your families, they are people in your neighborhoods, they are good neighbors, they are nice people, okay? However, the Bible teaches us that this is not God's plan. So what we see is that biblical values and cultural values, they're completely at odds on this issue. And now, a more complicated issue is this transgender issue, okay? Uh, this transgender issue, because it's not specifically stated in the Bible. You could probably find it if you look, delve very deeply into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, and you go back into the, the origins of, of some of those Greek words that are, that are being translated. But... I know in Genesis 1.27 that God's plan, God created us male and female. And I know also that there are people who legitimately and honestly struggle with their maleness and their femaleness in this world. 66%, two-thirds of Americans, 66% of Americans favor allowing openly transgender men and women serve in the military. Okay, that was a, a May 2021 Gallup poll. Now, now we, we live in a world that is groaning under the weight of the consequences uh, of century after century and generation after generation of sin.
So there's no surprise that there's this accumulated value of the weight of the sin over the generation. I am not surprised that there are people who emotionally, mentally, and physically, genetically, struggle with their own gender and how they fit into God's plan as either male or female. I understand that. Let's talk about one more issue. Cohabitation. That's, that's living together, having a sexual relationship before marriage, living together uh, without being married. In regards to sexual activity, the Bible says this very clearly. The only sexual activity that has God's blessing and protection is sexual activity that occurs within the framework of one man and one woman in a lifetime commitment of marriage. That's the only time that, that we see the blessing and protection of God in this. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. So if you are married, the Bible defines it this way. If you are married and you have conceptual sex, Outside of the marriage relationship, the Bible calls that the sin of adultery. If you are not married and you have sex outside of a marriage relationship, the Bible defines that as a sin called fornication. Okay, that's very clear. This is what the Bible says. Now, 69% of Americans think that it's acceptable for couples to live together even if the couple doesn't plan to marry. 69%, 70%. Now, Quite frankly, uh, that's one of those issues that has, that has infiltrated into the church. Many of you probably agree with that. Some of you probably agree with that. And, and you're buying in this cultural value that you know, well, you ought to try it before you buy it. Or, or very commonly I hear this, you know, if we actually get married, we're going to lose money. We're going to lose money the way our finances are set up. And, and what happens is there's this fight. The Bible talks about this fight. You know, you can't serve God and money. You're either going to love one and hate the other. And so in this particular situation, you decided who you're going to follow, who the master was going to be, and you followed the money rather than the biblical value. So, uh, but you know, if you, if you hold to the biblical worldview that sex, sexual activity is beautiful, protected, and blessed by God within that marriage, and that's, that's the only time, then you're out of step with culture. You are out of step with culture. And uh, the question is, how can we get the world to understand the peace? How can we get the world to understand the joy? How can we get the world to understand what we have in Christ? How can we get the world to understand that we don't hate them? Or that we don't hate what they're doing. But we want them to find the joy and the peace and all the beautiful things in Christ that we found. How do we respond to a culture that is increasingly embracing what the world, what the Bible defines as sin. You know, if we're out of step with culture, uh, understand that's just where we're going to be as followers of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we're going to be. Uh, Jesus said that. Jesus said that in John 15. In John 15, he said, if the world hates you, you know it's hated me before it hated you. Okay, that's on Jesus if we're out of step with this world. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're going to be out of step. We always have been. There's never been a time when those that have been faithful to the Lord have, have been in step with culture totally, okay? Christian values are different than cultural values. They always have been. They always will be. So what do we do? Here's the first thing. 
If you want to reach out to this culture, know this. Really believe and follow Jesus and not culture. Know where you stand. Really believe and follow Jesus, not culture. Okay, follow Jesus. Uh, there's a core value. The core value is this, Jesus is the way. We have these core values at Anastasia. And there's a reason that over the last five or six years, we've been pushing these core values. And, and here's the reason, okay? Because I've had some of you come to me and say, Pastor Walter, are you concerned about what the government is going to tell you you can preach from the pulpit and not preach from the pulpit? And can I share with you very honestly, I have never been concerned about that. I've never been concerned about that. First of all, what I preach from the pulpit, it's the most protected speech in this country. There's freedom of speech and freedom of religion. I don't have to worry about that. And you know, some people say, well, they might take away your tax-exempt status. Well, big whoop. That's only going to affect those of you that really care about getting a tax receipt. <laughs> but you know, they, 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 they've never even threatened doing that because there, there's, there's no mechanism if there were, and pastors have been bringing their sermons and sending them to the IRS year after year after year, there's never even been a threat that way. I'm not concerned about it. Let me tell you what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that cultural values are going to infiltrate the church, and it's happening very fast. I'm concerned these cultural values, and I, I, I honestly believe they're changing so fast that, that before I even retire, it's very possible that there'll be people in here saying, Pastor Walter, we appreciate your years of service, but you know, your preaching is a little bit out of date, and so we may be moving in another direction. Thank you for what you've done, and don't let the door hit you on the way out. That's more likely. That is more likely. If we don't if we don't know who we believe and who we follow. That's why I keep trying to tell you these core values. Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. Because unless we as followers of Jesus commit to really following Jesus, how will culture ever know that that's the way to do it? Okay, so Jesus is the answer, okay? He's the answer. Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God's appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There is salvation for this whole nation, for this whole world, training us to renounce ungodliness. That's part of following Jesus. And worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. We're waiting for all the blessings, okay? The appearing of the glory of our, uh, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. He redeemed us from having to live a sinful life and to purify for himself a people. See, he wants us to be pure for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Church, you know, if we want to respond appropriately and really reach out to culture, we got to know what we believe. We got to know what we believe. Okay, Jesus is the way. And the Bible is the map. Say this after me. Jesus is the way. And the Bible is the map. And we got to believe that. You know, and how will the world believe it if we don't live it? Now, here's something else. Matthew 28. This is Jesus. This, he, he, he gave the church marching orders. Here's how you're going to reach out to culture, okay? Matthew 28 says this. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is what Jesus told us to do. If we're trying to reach a culture that is lost and doesn't know Jesus, we need to make disciples, in the middle of National Gay Pride Month, we need to go out and make disciples. That's what he's calling us to do. That's the Great Commission. That's the most important thing Jesus told us to do. 
Stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. That, that core value is this, disciple making is our mission. Jesus is the way, the Bible is the map and disciple making is our mission. You know what's gonna transform a nation into a Christian nation? It's not changing the laws. Do you know that changing the laws will not turn this nation into a Christian nation? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Because, you know, we can mandate everything in the Bible and we will still be a nation of lost people if people don't have the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ in them. We just have a legalistic nation. We got to keep our response gospel-centered. We got to be telling people about Jesus. You know what would make a nation a Christian nation? When in this nation, in sincerity and honesty, Every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's going to make this nation a Christian nation and nothing else. And that won't happen by changing the laws. That happens when you go out and you tell people about Jesus. And you let the Holy Spirit work among us. And that doesn't happen when we pass a law. That happens when Christ enters the heart. That happens when we share the gospel with 350 kids. At Vacation Bible School, 37, 37, over 10% of them received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the very first time. 10%, you know what I call that? I call that revival. But that doesn't need to happen just one week. That needs to happen every week. We need to be making disciples. And, And that's how a nation is changed. There's another way to respond. This is Romans chapter six. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So we got to do our part to live righteously. We need to do our part to live righteously. Part of disciple making is being an example. And part of that example is realizing that that sometimes we're going to fail. And we need to show people how Christians respond in the failure of their own sin. Because, you know, a week or so ago, we're in an independent network of churches called the Southern Baptist Convention. A week or so ago, you've probably heard in the news, we had to deal with a sexual scandal that was covered up at the highest levels of our network. At the highest levels. Praise God, they're, they're bringing this to the forefront and they're taking corrective action. Praise God for that. But we have no right to stand self righteously in front of a nation and say, we got this all covered. It's in humility and transparency and honesty that we say we're all sinners. But I tell you, the answer is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So in humility, we reach out to culture in love. In humility, as sinners, we reach out to other sinners. We are imperfect people helping other imperfect people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. And we got to do that in love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, this is John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. That's how people know that we're of Christ, is that we have the love of Christ in us. So so Jesus came full full of truth and grace. We got to show the truth, but we also got to share the grace. And that brings us to another core value. Love is our greatest command. See, Jesus is the way. The Bible is the map. Disciple making is our mission. But love, love is our greatest command. See, we're sinners. And we live in a world 
and a nation of sinners. And you know, there are going to be those that want to follow Christ or they see following Christ as an option and they're still going to struggle with sin. Just like we still struggle with sin. They're going to struggle with sin. There are going to be people that, that are coming to faith in Christ that we're going to lead to faith in Christ and they're going to find themselves in an unwanted pregnancy. And how are you going to respond to that? We're going to have people that come to Christ, they're going to find themselves, they, they've had an abortion in the past and they're feeling very ashamed. How are you going to respond to them, in judgment or in love? There are going to be people that come to faith in Christ and they're still going to be struggling with same-sex attraction. How are we going to deal with those people? There are going to be people that have this inner turmoil of not knowing who they are in, in God's plan as female or male. They struggle with that. How do you respond to those people? Just as we struggle with our sins and our wicked habits and we struggle with making our priorities under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, several years ago, I talked about same-sex attraction in marriage in a sermon and I got this uh, email from somebody, a college student, female college student, uh, pretty cynical email, but let me tell you, it was heartfelt and it was honest and it was transparent. I don't think this person was trying to, be, trying to be snarky in any way. They were just trying to share what was going on in their heart. And, and the question that this person posed to me very honestly was this. Do you think Jesus will save me straight? Do you think he saves people straight? It was an honest question. Let me tell you, I know that Jesus can. I don't know that Jesus will in every instance. Because, you know, in this earth, we're all living out Luke 9.23. We're all living out Luke 9.23. We have Luke 9.23 struggles. If you don't know what Luke 9.23 says, it says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We're all living that Luke 9.23 struggle. And, and, and every person's cross that they're picking up is different, okay? And just because my cross is different from their cross doesn't mean it's, it's not not substantial and it's not hard. And you know, there are going to be people that are going to respond to the gospel and they're going to struggle too. And we got to reach out in humility and love to those people. So the question I have for us church is, are we loving our culture well? Do they see our love or do they see our anger? Are we loving our culture well? Because love is our greatest command. As we're making disciples, as we're following the Bible, as we are understanding Jesus is the way, love is our greatest command. Are we showing love to sinners? Uh, let me give you another scripture, Matthew chapter 5. You're the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Our lost culture needs to see the glory of the Father. They need to see the glory of the Father, okay? They need to see his love. They need to see his grace through his people. And so we got to go out where they are and we need to serve them. And that's another core value. Serving is our privilege. And you know what? It is a privilege for us to be able to go out and serve our culture, and we talk and we serve, it's a privilege to go out and share the love of Jesus Christ. And we go in the name of Jesus Christ and we serve people that are gay and straight. And we serve people that are living together and people that are married and people that are divorced. We serve all those people. And while we're going out, we're unapologetically and compassionately sharing the love and grace and the truth that everybody can find in Jesus Christ. 
Because of that last core value, every person is important. You are important to God. You know, if you're dealing with same-sex attraction, if you're gay or lesbian, God loves you. Do you understand that? God loves you. God loves you. If you are transgender or you're having those thoughts and you don't know who you are, male or female, and you're having that struggle, it's an honest struggle, can I share with you, God loves you and he died on the cross for you. Those of you that have had an abortion, likely there are quite a few of you in here that have had an abortion. Those of you that are pro-abortion, because you, you, you believe what they're talking about, women's productive rights. I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. Jesus died for those also who are not dealing with those issues because we all have our own. For God so loved the world. He loved the world. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should, should not perish but have eternal life. There are always going to be issues. If I, if I were to do this sermon next year, there'll be different issues on the table. There are always going to be issues. They keep coming at us like a never-ending parade of high-speed freight trains. They're just coming and coming and coming. You want to respond to a culture that embraces sin? Show everyone that we find our identity in Jesus. Okay? Only in the power of Jesus can we ever hope to live out what we know is true and holy and righteous. Only in the power of Jesus can I, can I live out fully those, those core values of the faith. Jesus is the way. The Bible is the map. Disciple making is our mission. Love is our greatest command. Serving is our privilege. And everyone is important. Only in the power of Jesus can I do that. But even if I were to live those out perfectly, my identity does not come from sinless perfection. My, my, my identity doesn't come from, from my sexuality. My identity does not come from my job. It does not come from where, where I stand on the political spectrum. My identity is in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Let me tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, share Jesus. That's going to make the biggest difference. Share him with your whole heart, with your whole being, with all your energy. And if you don't know Jesus, trust him today. Do you know him? If you want to be who God created you to be, that happens in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just here to tell you, I don't care what issues you're dealing with. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done uh, five years or five minutes ago. Jesus is for you. And he has a plan for you. And it's to take you out of whatever miry pit you're in and put you up into his heaven. And one day we're going to be with him face to face. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can be a part of that. If you just trust in him. So let me ask you, would you please stand with me right now? I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to be standing here at the front. If God's calling you to respond in any way, I'll be here at the front. You know, if you want to become a member of this church, you want to present yourself for baptism. If you want to pray about whatever issue you're dealing with, you know, you are loved by God and you're loved by this church. Lord Jesus, I, I just ask that you be with us here in church. And Lord, I confess that, that we often don't get it right in communicating with the world what you would have us communicate. We get tied to the legalism. But Lord, help us share your love. Lord, help us share your power. Lord, help us share the future and the destiny that you have for those that trust in you. 
Lord, help us to share the hope. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, your, the, your Holy Spirit's coming in and they understand the acceptance that you're offering to them. And Lord, I pray that someone right now is making that decision, Lord, I'm going to follow you in my strengths and my weaknesses, in my in, in where I'm holy and where I'm not holy. And Lord, I'm giving my life to you. And if you make that decision to trust him as Lord said, you've made the most important decision in your life. And Lord, whatever happens, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're coming to a time of response. If the Lord's calling you to come, you come. You come. Let's sing.
Church, go in peace. Have a great Sunday. God bless you.